Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. Today, we're talking about year-end tax planning. Year, I would say year-end everything planning, just kind of business, oh, tax. Dang, it's okay. more tax. Yeah, all right. Let me not oversell it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, what's a good, I guess, what, what milestone in the calendar, like, tripped this for you? I don't know, the cold weather, maybe? Yeah, was it <laughs> like, the second cold snap? Yeah. yeah when I started, if you're eating gumbo in Louisiana, yeah. then it's time for year-end tax planning? Absolutely. Is that, that's okay. kind of the thing. I would, right. Yeah, that's kind of a good marker. If you're here in Louisiana, certain, you know, things that make you know yeah. this is in season, right? Yeah, second bowl of gumbo, maybe, yeah. fourth bowl of chili. Yeah, I feel chili. like people bring chili out earlier. Chili, that's like Midwestern. Yeah. You a chili guy? I feel like I feel like my father-in-law. It almost alternates. Like during the winter months, yeah. it's like you're gonna get gumbo one weekend, and then it's chili oh, no. the next weekend, no. and then it's chili. For, I think gumbo for some reason, and we I have this debate with people. It can be eaten even in July. Like I, I eat gumbo. I disagree with that. Oh, I know. Uh, well, it but, sounds like this podcast yeah, is taking. Yeah. Well, quite what a turn. I was gonna ask you is because <laughs> I was gonna say we eat chili. On, in everywhere in a year. Yeah, I'm like, but that makes sense because it also oh, here we go. It also <laughs> matches your uh, take on tax planning as well, <laughs> and you're more of a year-round type of guy. I am. I am. I sure I'll just just to end the conversation. Do you eat your spaghetti cold, or when it's or when it's only uh, cold outside? Of course, of course you not. don't. Of course yeah, you don't. Of course anyway. not. All right. Anyway. I'm on the ropes now. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So while we've wasted your time enough. Um, yeah. So I, I always start thinking like around November because it, it's kind of a natural progression. You've got the tax deadline, the extended tax deadline of October 15th, where anybody for individuals who extended their tax return, it's due. So right after that is when we're kind of thinking through like what what can we do? What moves can we make? And, and honestly... When we get new clients, I think sometimes the expectations of people is, is really like somewhat out of whack around tax planning um, because they're seeing, like I was just showing you a video of TikTok over watching, mm-hmm. like was literally incorrect. People are getting so much information now, which is good, but a lot of it's bad. So a lot of the tax planning we're doing is like having to dispel myths, mm-hmm. but I don't want to go too far in that direction and say, but in this month, November especially, because once you get to December, it starts to get where you don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. Like you really need to be thinking about there are things you can do. And so one of the things I really like, and I was talking about it, I sent it out in my newsletter yesterday, is all things around stock. So like, you know, stock, yeah. like Tesla or before, stock. Before we get yep. too far, what, what else? Well, you got like three things for us. Do you have? Oh, um, well, you told me not to, you told me not to be like I, that detailed. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm begging for it. <laughs> no, <I'll get. laughs> All right. So how many do I have? I have like six. Okay. They're going to kind of go together. Some would be right. like three would be like, you know, together. Yeah. All right. Don't so overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be prepared. Don't yeah. overthink it. Give yeah. me your list. I'm not sure which it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Stuff, things around you know stocks and bonds. Think of your securities or your investments. Mm-hmm. So, what I'll say, I'll preface all this by saying, if you have good data, like again, I'm talking about generally, my audience is going to be the small business owner. So they've got a business, right? And then they also have personal investments. Okay, if you're a small business, if you don't have that under control from the accounting perspective, and we know 
reasonably well what your numbers are, then this conversation takes a different direction. Mm. But assuming that, which is what we thrive on, is having your books up to date to planning with you, then this is going to make a lot of sense. My point is, let's say your business this year, for whatever reason, showing a loss. Like, hey, we you know we bought a bunch of equipment. We took accelerated depreciation. We're selling a $200,000 loss. Okay, let's start thinking through, are there some stocks we own? Tesla is a good example, right? Fairly new. You might have bought it five, six years ago, and now it's 10, 20x. Well, what if you really like that stock and want to keep it, but you also got this big unrealized gain? What you can do is called tax gain harvesting. And essentially, you could say, well, I know I lost 200 grand in my business. That's available to offset. Why don't I sell that Tesla stock, recognize the gain, just buy it right back? Mm. So now what have I done? What you've done is you've now, for tax, really tax-free, established a higher basis. So let's just say your gain on the Tesla stock would have been 100 grand. You sell it, you recognize the gain, but that $200,000 loss is there, to, is there to offset it, and then you just buy it right back at the higher price. Now you're in a position where if you sold Tesla again, you don't really have much of a gain because you bought it at a higher price. You've basically made your gains tax-free. So that's that's a strategy I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people are always thinking of tax yeah. loss harvesting, where it's like, hey, I've got a bunch of capital gains. Maybe some other stocks have done really well, and I've sold them, and I've got these stocks over here yeah. that haven't performed well. Yeah, and if you are living in that scenario where you've lost $200,000 in your business but gained it in the stock market, you might switch careers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should be a day trader. Yeah. No, but just, I get what you're saying. And yeah. to clarify too, because part of what I guess, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but like already my mind's going is like, okay, that seems like that would work if your business is an LLC. It may not a work. A pastor entity. Yeah, a pastor entity yeah. because it all comes back down to your personal return. Which is 98% of the businesses. Right. So that's why I'm saying they're like, to, to, to make your point, yes, if you have a C-corp, which is an entity that pays its own tax and it doesn't flow through to you personally, that's a different discussion. But nine. So it would apply to S Corps. Correct. Because it's okay. a flow through entity. Okay. So, like an S Corp. So, again, LLCs can be taxed right. multiple okay. so ways. So, when you yeah. just say LLC, I would ask you, what do you mean by that? Right. So, in, so an S Corp, a partnership, a sole proprietorship are all flow through entities. Mm -hmm. Yes, that would be a situation where if you lost money in that, that's going to flow through to you personally. Mm -hmm. And then. If you got stocks, you could offset. You could use those losses to offset. Okay. Um, I just mentioned it briefly, but tax loss harvesting again. Maybe you've got some stocks that you've sold throughout the year, and you you're working with your broker, and he's like, "Hey, man, you got a fifty thousand dollar, hundred thousand dollar, five hundred thousand dollar capital gain, but you have some stock over here that look, we really need to unload it anyway." That would be the time, right? If you lost money on paper, realize that loss, sell the stock, it offsets buy something else kind of thing. So that's tax loss harvesting. And then something I put in our newsletter, which I'm going to kind of call you out publicly. Can you put a link to our newsletter sign up in the show notes? Because yeah. I talk about this in, the sh in my newsletter, which was donating appreciated stock. So a really nice tool, something that a lot of, like let's, let's give that Tesla example. You bought Tesla for 10 grand. It's run up. Now it's worth 100,000 bucks. And let's just say you're charitable and you want to give that away or, or you're thinking about some ways you could save on tax. Well, one way is give that Tesla stock. You get a, you get a deduction worth the value of the stock. Now, what you pay for it, what you pay for it. All right, back up. I'm, I'm, I lost if we're on loss or gain harvesting. We're out of that. Okay, we're, we're out of We're that. now into donating, donating stock. Donating stock. Giving okay. stock away. Like very common strategy. 
So what you would do is in that example, you have a ninety thousand dollar unrealized gain on the stock. You okay. bought it for ten, it's worth a hundred. If you give it to your church or your nonprofit, you get a hundred thousand dollar deduction. Doesn't matter that you pay ten thousand dollars for it. So what have you done? You've now turned a ten thousand dollar purchase into a hundred thousand dollar tax deduction. Now again, you have to part with the stock, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not Yeah, you lose the ninety grand. You lose the ninety grand, but you never pay taxes on it. And if you were going to be charitable anyway, definitely better to not give a hundred thousand dollars, give the hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. Because what does a hundred thousand dollars cost you? A hundred thousand. What does a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock cost you? Whatever you paid for it. Mm-hmm. You get my point? Yeah. And I've seen people do things like they'll sell a stock, recognize the game, then give it to charity. It's like, no, don't do that. Oh, I see now too. Okay. Yeah. So like bypass that step. Yeah. Just give it away. Right. What would happen if you did that? If you if you sold the stock, took that, then you have to pay taxes on it. You have to pay taxes on it. And then you could you correct. You'd give the rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean But people don't think about this because they're not talking. They're not asking the questions. They're getting advice on Google. They're using YouTube. Like literally, like we said, we saw a guy with a TikTok video. His advice is literally wrong. He's Mm -hmm. saying, he's talking about uh, paying self-employment tax in an S corporation. Everybody knows you don't pay self. Like, what are you talking about? So my point is, have somebody. You don't see that on Snapchat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. It's a more professional environment, I'm sure. Right. Um, So anyway, just work with somebody. Ask that question. Like, and I would say this, we're, we're working hard to get in front of our clients such that they think about us. Like, you know, implementing a texting service around like little tips just to be top of mind to say, hey, just call us. Mm-hmm. Like if you have that question. So those are three kind of tax loss, tax gain harvesting, tax loss harvesting, and donated appreciated stock, all kind of in the securities world. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you another one that kind of piggybacks off the last one, the donating appreciated stock. Donor advised funds. So if you're charitably inclined, one way to do charitable better is to give it is give as much as you can in one year and then not give the next year or the, the next two years. It's better to bunch your deductions. The math says you get a way better deduction than if you just gave, let's just say you gave 20 grand every year. It's better to give 60,000 every three years. And the math, I could work that on a spreadsheet and show you the math says you, you come out better, like literally dollars in your pocket better. The one way to do that best, so the, the argument to that is, well, my church is depending on that twenty grand a year, right? They're used to it, and the argument—the way you—the way I dispel that myth is, I say, okay, why don't we give it to a what's called a donor advised fund? Meaning, you can go set up the Tyler, you know, the Werner Family Foundation. Yeah, you can put the sixty thousand dollars in that on December thirty first. You would get a sixty thousand dollar tax deduction that day. That money's just sitting there. Then you get to figure out later what you want to do with it. So it's a great in a year where you've maybe had a really big year, a big sale of equipment, a big man, like, you know, some people did really well during COVID, right? Like they're, they were in maybe uh, the PPE business and took off, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. maybe that you had a big year. You want to give away a lot of money, do it with a donor advised fund, put the money over there and then figure out how to dole it out later. 
So tell me more about the donor advised fund. Is it a classification you determine or like you just set up a bank account at Chase and say, this is a donor? No, advised you fund have or? to have people that have the, that are in that business that, that are qualified to do that. I think there's some restrictions on who can hold money as a foundation. Like locally, we have what's called the community foundation of Acadiana. Okay. That's they what are, if that's what it was. Correct. They are allowed to receive these kind of funds such that you get a charitable donation when you give it to them. And then, uh, there's one I was looking at called the National Christ- NCF National Christian Foundation, and they'll and most I'm sure other ones would do this too. Brokerage houses have it. Fidelity I think does it. They'll then let you set up recipients on monthly schedules. Yeah. So if you said I'm going to give sixty thousand to this, and my but my church is depending on the money, no problem. Tell the donor advised fund to send a thousand dollars a month for the next sixty months. Or twelve hundred bucks for you know less forty eight months. We need to find the relay of donor advised funds because yeah, that would be sick. Yeah, like to just set up all that because that, that but NCF biggest... does that. I, I have I have it with NCF and you can set up. You can say hey every on the third Monday of every month give this to this church. It's great, and that's the way to kind of bridge that gap between I gave a lump sum but my church is depending on it. But it's like no, they can drip it out to the church. Yeah. But you get a big tax benefit by doing it up front and bunching yeah. it. Because, I mean, that is that is the story of pretty much every nonprofit and church. And, yeah. You know, um, I mean, like, they are they are expecting. They're budgeting. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they're budgeting on that. You yeah. Know, you don't want to wreck that. Yeah. I mean, it's the they appreciate the windfalls, obviously. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, they like predictable. Really cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check that out because that would really be uh, – yeah. Well, you guys yeah. are charitable. I mean, it's a, it's a definitely something to think through. Yeah. Like how did, what I always, yeah, talk- we've talked about this before too. Cause yeah. I remember, I remember all of a sudden feeling like, you know, we need to have a banquet and <laughs> you know, the Tyler J. Yeah. Warner family foundation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You can have a ribbon cutting. Yeah. <laughs> you could do it. Um, all right. So that's charitable, uh, donor advised funds. Really, really great tool. Um, for, you know, specific situation, but for people who want to be charitable, that's really great. Um, 401ks and kind of retirement planning. So low hanging fruit. I sorry to say this is when like give us something good here. I mean, yeah, I feel like the other this ones weren't is, good. Well, the other ones are good. <laughs> you started with a bang. Yeah. I feel like because I'm yeah. glad. Which, yeah, I guess I shouldn't come at you like this uh, <laughs> on the on the podcast. But I'm just like, I mean, I could. I feel like. Yeah. I could have said 401k. Yeah, you know oh, I mean? man. It's like, like I always say, with friends like this, who needs enemies? <laughs> huh? um, no, 401k, simple stuff. Just make sure you, if you have the ability that you're maxing out your 401k. So many people we know, and if you reach 50 during the year, you can give more. Yeah, we're so, in this weird like. Yeah, new it's called law, a catch up. Right? Yeah. Well, that's not new, but that's but so many people miss that because they don't. They, first of all, they hadn't been fifty before, right? So it's like mm-hmm. not one of those things on their radar. So again, we put it in our newsletter, and we do this for clients where we manage their their back office. We go to the key employees, and we don't even say, "Hey, do you want us to up your four hundred one k?" We just do it and say, "If you didn't want it." Because most people, if they're giving the max, want to keep doing that. But we're looking out to make sure that once they reach 50, like, bam, we're, get, we're, we're up in it. But yeah. if you work for somebody and you turn 50 in November, you can give the, the, the increased limit the whole – like, you now are – it's 
that increase limit with the catch-up is applicable to you. Then it is not, it's not that you had to turn 50 at the beginning of the year, or it's mm-hmm. just if you turn 50 that year. Yeah, what was I thinking of? We did a podcast on the catch-up, and there's like some gaps now, or like there's some new periods of time where, I, I don't know, what am I thinking of? Oh, no. uh, it was like some new stuff. It that, was the, we were talking about the Secure Act 2.0, yeah. which had a lot of new things, all related to retirement. Yeah. But there's, I couldn't call it. There's see, so dude, many. I, see, dude, I, I called it. What? I mean, you're yawning at the, <laughs> at the 401k. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's good. Let's. Yeah. Look. Also, you know, some things to think about, um, just be, you know, walking through what, so the 401k is if you're an employee, but that would go if you're, if you're self-employed working for your business, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an, if it, like me, I have an S corp and I'm an employee. I look mm-hmm. at that. I increase my 401k to the max every year. But also thinking through if... Now, why do you suggest that versus like we've talked about in the past where like waiting and then loading up your IRA at the end of the year? Well, IRA is different. So IRA is a non-qualified plan. So 401k, okay. 401k. Is, is calendar based, meaning oh, okay. I can't make a 2023 contribution in 24. But, but you IRAs, you can. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's why I'd even leave... I don't even have IRAs on here because... That's something you can do after the year for the prior year. Okay. But you should start to look at and prepare for if you're a business that doesn't do your retirement plan contributions through your payroll. So think S-Corp. If you're not that, mm-hmm. you should be thinking through, do we want to open a SEP or will we have a SEP? Do we want to contribute to it? Do we have a simple, like starting to think through those kind of things. I like to start talking to my clients about that now because it helps to plan for what their fourth quarter tax payment's ultimately going to be like. Are you going to, con- we think you could put, you know, 30 grand in a SEP. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's going to factor into what we ultimately think your tax liability will be. Yeah. The, the amount you pay in the fourth quarter. So yeah. just be thinking through those kind of things. Yeah. And it's probably, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like this is not totally just tax planning, but like, that whole 401k retirement conversation, you know, we've talked a lot about um, real estate and different things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I think of, I think of, I, I don't know, this is, I'm not a financial planner, but really, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just everyone listening, you just um, play one on the radio. Exactly. If you haven't picked that up already. <laughs> I think I've made like eight different confusing mistakes uh, this in 20 minutes. Of Don't this you have a lot or, of accounting questions? Though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But one of them would be like, I just wonder how many people are, are like solely dependent on their 401ks. Like maybe yeah. the generation ahead of us was, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, whereas like, no, nah, I'm putting my time in, I'm working 30, 40, 50, you know, some people putting a, a lifetime of their career in one place, just racking up that 401k. Yeah. They had enough time in it to where they hit some good, you know, the peaks were higher than the valleys. Right. I just don't know, you know, it seems more common and you would know from your client base, like people have diverse retirement plans. It's not just diversity sure. in their portfolios. Right. It's like diverse retirement plans. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, look, we're in a building that I own. That's a, mm-hmm. for me, that's a retirement play. Yeah. Right. Like I own real estate for sure. Um, and I think one, the reason why it's somewhat out of the scope of this is because there's not always that much that's, that's time driven with real estate other than 
if you wanted to, there's some planning around buying real estate and doing a cost segregation study. The only thing that would be time bound on that is buying the property and placing it in service in the current year. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, good example, this building we're in, I'm going to do a cost segregation study on it. But there's no real, I'm not under the gun to get that done because I just have to have that done before I file my 2023 tax return. Yeah. I mean, if you're thinking around taxes, though, I do wonder like... I'm just thinking of the questions people are asking in real estate right now. Is it a good time to sell because of X, Y, you know, like looking at the market and all that. That's beyond the scope of this conversation. But yeah, obviously consider it as you're looking at everything. Absolutely. No, I mean, look, if you if you or if you're asking me, do I think you should be buying doing other things other than, uh, you know, investments in the stock market? Yes. Mm. You know, um, but that's one of those things where, in terms of like planning, it provides a lot of tax planning, especially when you're thinking time-driven stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I'll mention, Roth IRA conversions. So a real-life example. Are you familiar with that? It's basically where— I knew the—I just was reminded what a Roth IRA is compared to a 401k and then a conversion. I'm not sure. Okay. So think of it this way. When you put money into a what's called a tax-deferred account, a 401—generally a 401k— a traditional IRA, a SEP, a simple. You're getting a deduction when you put the money in, okay? But when you take it out, it's taxable and the growth. So you put in 20 grand in a 401k one year and that grows to 100,000. You pull the 100,000 out of retirement, you pay tax on the 100,000. Mm-hmm. Roth is the exact opposite. You don't pay any ta- you don't get a deduction when you when you put the money in, but the but the investment and the earning well, the investment and the earnings are not taxable when you pull it out. Okay. But what if you had money in a traditional IRA, let's just say, 100 grand. And you said, "Man, I would not I would like to not pay taxes on that when I retire." The one way to do it is you convert it. You voluntarily tell the IRS, "I want to pay tax on this 100 grand right now and say it's a Roth IRA." Okay? And then once if that hundred grows to ten million dollars, I'm not going to pay any tax on that nine point nine million. Mm-hmm. But you're voluntarily saying I want to record this as income this year. It's like you It's like you. It's like you took a distribution of the money and then put it in a Roth IRA. Yeah, you're just cutting out the middleman. And you're asking why would you do that? Perfect example. I have a client this year. His business down business, but it's somewhat driven by buying a lot of fixed assets and taking depreciation, $2 million loss. He's, I said, you got any old IRAs floating out there or any deferred money? He's like, yeah, I got a, my wife and I, I said, he, I said, would you, and it, two million might not be the right number, but he had a big loss. We converted a half million dollars and recorded his income. Well, conveniently those losses offset that income so what have we done now we've made a tax-free conversion we've taken money that in retirement 500 grand let's just say that 500 grand in the traditional in 10 years is worth 750 he's gonna pay tax on 750 now he's not paying tax on a dime we flipped it into a roth you know recognize it as income but conveniently we had the losses there sitting to offset it how did i know that well i'm working with them throughout the year so i know the losses Mm -hmm. now we've converted it another beautiful thing about a roth if you give that to your heirs, they don't pay any tax. Wow. So when you did that, did you do this? I'm making the yes motion. Yeah. The, like the, 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 the yeah, yeah. For baseball fans for, out there, yeah, the Kirk Gibson. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Around second base. Yeah. Like you just love that kind of stuff because it's like, 
you don't get to do it unless people allow you to do it by buying into what I'm saying, which is work with us mm-hmm. because we can spot things because you're now paying us to spot things. Yeah. And so for that that client, yeah, he's got a half million bucks now in a Roth IRA, which he'll get to. I told him now that that thing grows to whatever it's awesome yeah you know so just stuff like that yeah so that would really be is there other scenarios because I was, I was i was trying to think of why you would do that before you you gave us that scenario i was like i guess if you're just like bullish on some stock you own you just think it's gonna like 10x yeah. and you don't want to maybe you know yeah because you because because also it's funny we had a, um, a friend of mine is a financial advisor in here today doing a doing a presentation about asset location mm-hmm. there's also a strategy around what types of accounts and what types of assets you hold in those accounts. Generally speaking, you want your highly appreciating assets in Roth accounts. Mm-hmm. You want your slow growth in your tax deferred. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense to have yeah. something that you think is going to really pop off in mm-hmm. an account where you won't pay tax on it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, there's absolutely strategies around that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and you also, you said, why mm-hmm. might you convert? You also might, maybe there's a year where, okay, you don't have losses to offset it, but you just have a down year. Or, or let's just say you came into some money and you want to be charitable. Donor advised fund. You give to the donor advised fund and at the same time, you do a Roth IRA conversion. There's all kinds of scenarios. Jeez. You know, let's just say you inherited 500 grand from your grandparents and you're like, you know, I've been wanting to give 100 grand to St. Jude's. Hmm. I've been wanting to do that. Okay, do that. Let's also convert, let's also convert 100 grand in your Roth, your traditional to Roth. Offset hmm. the two. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. But we don't know what we don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, man, lots to consider. I'm seeing a pattern of just like the, the planning, obviously. I mean, it, it's just about you got to, it's like you said, you got to, you don't know what you don't know. Oh, yeah. So you got to sit with somebody who knows and, yeah. and have clear enough information for them to be able to kind of be able to kind of connect the dots. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Any questions? <laughs> so many. It's so many. So many. Right. So many. But those will be for next episode. All right. Great. More content. Yeah. So as always, go to Mirdai Group. You can get in touch with Marcus and his team there. You can find out how to, you know, avoid, how to how to rearrange all of this stuff to Absolutely. where you have the, min- the, the least tax to pay. Yep. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, work. Yeah, for sure. I want to strategize yeah. around it so we can minimize it. Yeah. So, and then if uh, if you're not ready to reach out, just check out other resources. Absolutely. Check out the podcast. Got Join the newsletter. Yeah. We talk about this stuff every That's month true. with tips, videos. We give you links to other articles we think are helpful in running a small business, tax planning, like pretty, like stuff that you can digest. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Till next time. All right. See you guys.